everybody, and welcome to a special guest miss episode of Sakura Rangers in Space. Space, 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 space. I'm Amy. I'm the Pink Ranger. I'm Tyler. I'm the Black Ranger. I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger. And I'm the special guest, Redleaf Cosplay. Hooray! Yay! Yay. So, Redleaf Cosplay was on the podcast three years ago, and is very long overdue for um, for a revival. So we're super excited to have you today. I'm super excited to be here. After listening to the last podcast, I'm happy to be back on the show. <laughs> so I think we should start. I would love if you bragged a little bit. I'm giving you full permission to brag because you've had a lot of recent, like what I would consider successes. Yeah, this last year. Yeah, this last year, uh, since you guys had me on the show, um, so, since you guys have had me on the show, I've definitely had some wonderful cosplay builds and some overall competitive successes. Uh, I think since you last had me on the show, I've taken four best in shows. I've won a three-part cosplay competition. I got Audience's Choice at KomoriCon just this last year, which is an overwhelming honor and probably one of the most humble awards I've ever received. So yeah, uh, it's it's been a real exciting last three years since I was on the show. Very good. Yeah, we uh, saw you at KomoriCon and you had a really impressive build that used puppetry. Yeah, uh, the cosplay was the uh, German designer Cowslip's uh, Pokemon Jajinka of Geodude. And I had been thinking about that cosplay for pretty much a solid year before I even got to start building it. I was just constantly dreaming about it and fantasizing and trying to think of how I could be really creative with it since it's just one image to work off of and it's up to me to add all of the 3D elements to, to really make it come to life, to make it believable. And the puppetry element in the hands was actually something that I decided to add just about a month before the competition was supposed to happen. I was really satisfied with my build up to that point, but I wanted something that would really make me stand out, and I wanted to continue to challenge myself with this project, and the puppetry element was was what came through, and I didn't even know if it was going to work, but I've seen some video footage, and it looks like all of the visuals came through really clear on stage, and I'm really proud of my build. Yeah. It was really exciting to watch all of your progress photos on Instagram and see... This girl puts a lot of work into her cosplays. She was hand-dyeing various shades, doing test swatches just to get the right gradient to use all these shades, doing research on, like, types of geodes and river rocks, and it, it's just neat to see what, uh, how much thought you put into your costumes. Yeah, I, I didn't really know where this exactly was going to take me. Like, Geodude isn't my favorite Pokemon, but there was just something about this design that really stood out and spoke to me. And this entire cosplay has taken me on just such a remarkable journey. I'm definitely somebody that goes really deep with every project that I do. And some projects take me deeper and further than other projects that I work on. And this one, this one really had me thinking about a lot of various elements that went into it. On the same vein, and just curiosity, what is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, it's probably Snorlax. 
Snorlax. <laughs> um, I see. I like how that's got a general theme with a lot of your characters. Things that sleep. Things that sleep. Yes, I'm all about the comfort cosplays. Like the older I get, the more I'm like, I should not work this hard. I should be doing characters that sleep all the time. I mentioned this because I see a part of your form of, of a said cosplay that is sleeping. Yes, this is a beautiful pillow. Yes, this is my uh, king pillow from Seven Deadly Sins. It is three feet by two feet and stuffed to the gills and it is and when you slept on it in the middle of the chessboard i forgot you were there oh yeah that game was so good oh that game was so good and i so, got to lay on my pillow every time we were off the board Redleaf yeah. was uh the main game chess king for uh SakuraCon last year and did a wonderful job so it was just awesome. And almost As passed out before the game. Before Seven Deadly Sins. On the yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't was, you say you you passed out, almost pa- you fell asleep on the board well, before while we were waiting for the game to start? That day was just so full because right before that had been the cosplay contest of which I had been in with my Ash from Final Fantasy XII. And that's just a really physically taxing cosplay to wear. So being able to change into King, which is pretty much pajamas and a puffy vest with a hood and like this messy short hair wig and then like having a massive pillow is just so relaxing. And yeah, because I was on the board before we even started letting people inside, I was getting super cozy. And then Max's intro was long and valiant and full of glamour and yeah I definitely got super cozy and I also couldn't tell when he was leaving the board how far away he was from me because he was like sneaking Mm. and I couldn't see him so I didn't know how long it had been since he left (laughs) so I've seen how far away he actually got from me before I started to rouse and I was like damn I waited way too long I should have been I should have been up and going and moving the plot and yeah. Everyone was I just think, waiting I think he for left me, and then like came back a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> there was no cue. There was no, and I had my hood up. Like there was no way to know. Like there was Aww. no word or phrase. Like that was a missed opportunity to be like, when I say this line, you'll know how that I'm far enough away that it's funny. Like, but those are things that you pick up on with chess over the years. I mean, it's, yeah, I think you do put on a great show, and nitpicking like that is obviously something, those are details that only you would remember or care about. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I was asleep. (laughs) (laughs) No one knew. (laughs) So, uh, I wanted to actually bring up your Ash cosplay. Um, Not a lot of people remake old costumes uh, or remake designs they have. I did it once with Ayane from Dead or Alive because Mm -hmm. that was my second cosplay. And, you know, you grow a lot. So I definitely see the merit. But a lot of people, there's just so many good characters and so many good designs. Why remake instead of just do something new? Uh, So that cosplay was the third cosplay that I ever made. And it was one of the last projects that my mom actually helped me out with because she helped me with some of the sewing. At that point, I, I, I didn't have a sewing machine. But there were so many things wrong with that cosplay. And I had a bunch of people at the time were being like, oh, it can't be done because the physics of that cosplay are just ridiculous. <laughs> um, that I felt that I had grown enough and I wanted to see it done 
better and I knew I could do it better. I still think today that I can do it better and I'll probably remake it again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's my opus. It's, it's like a, a overwhelming pinnacle of my career that it's like, I want to, I want to do it really, really, really well. And I think this last time I got close, but I, I know I can even do it better and I might not have the skills yet, but I'll know when I'm ready to do this project again. Like, Maybe for like my 20th anniversary or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But I think that doing a project like that and then like looking at it again 10 years later and trying to figure out where you can do better is just a testament to everything that you've learned. And I think it shows it shows real development when you can put those two cosplays 10 years apart right next to them and be like, yeah, I okay, good. I have matured. I have grown. I've I'm applying new skills. Like it's good to get that that clarity. It's like you are growing as a cosplayer. Like don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Look at what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really positive way to view, you know, the glow up. The glow up is real. <laughs> I think everybody should do one at least once. Like everybody's got like a, a token character that they really love that they've improved on or done maybe a couple of times if not like look at what you've done like think how could you do it better what have you learned that you could add into this and yeah do your own glow up I, th I think it's a good process um Tyler and Cole what would you guys glow up oh, yeah um I uh, <laughs> is that a lot of our characters don't really can't really be glowed up. Well, you just they're already in there the first time. They're already <laughs> in the final form. Uh, uh, I, I do have a thing. I, I have I have a sentence, a sentence, a phrase, a paragraph here. Uh, what I kind of started with is props, which I kind of have done. Uh, like again, like I, I very much say that my like cosplay, uh, when I kind of started cosplay, it was because I was making cosplay props, and that was the difficult part. So, again, it comes down, it, here we go, it comes down to Keyblades, I always bring it up, that's where <laughs> it is, is the Keyblades, the first Keyblade I made, uh, I have made a bunch so far, and every time there were, there was a Keyblade at one point where that I looked at and goes, that is far beyond my skill to make, and then a couple of years ago I did make it, because it's basically what I knew then, and then what I know now has progressed that far so like if i were to remake one of my first things not it wouldn't be a costume it would be literally a keyblade and it would be i guess like the first one i did which was the oblivion keyblade i would just i could remake that one but now like i think about that one i could program all that into a computer or such and like cut that perfectly in one chunk out of a cnc and i could i could make it way better than i did before to the point that it is almost not a challenge to make it or glow it up because it was it was difficult to be like the first one it was a good stepping stone that it was difficult enough but not completely imaginable and overwhelming to start but now i've already did the one that was completely imaginable so like going back to that it's like being in an MORPG and going back and just fighting slimes, you're like, well, I'm just obliterating slimes now. I got to go back and see kind of the medium level things and redo those and such. So, yeah. 
I guess long story long story short, I have done that a lot with all the props and things I've made that I've progressed over time because a lot of them just use the same techniques over and over, and you just kind of every next prop I make is a little bit better than the last, and to remake an old one is kind of I I have been doing that so yeah props not costumes. No, that's still really cool though that yeah. like you're at a point where the things that you're like, oh, that's that's impossible. Like, there's no way that that can be done. But yeah. you've actually glowed up enough that you're like, oh, it's fine. I I know how I do that. Like, it's yeah. not a big deal yeah. anymore. It's, it's just it's, like, but I want to see you do the thing, though. You should still yeah. do the thing. Yeah, so it's the thing. <laughs> it it is thing. It'd be so easy to do. It's like it's something I could just go like, oh, I could just make that in like a, a weekend or something. It's where before it was like this the long that's a month long yeah the long steps it made to do it the first time where i had to like think about every next step because ben when we started when we all started cosplaying there wasn't as many tutorials and all these things out there as they are right so my gosh it's like i could at the point i'm like i could just make this thing and if i actually no uh, this is the thing uh something i haven't played around with is like making casts and molds so if i did go back and make some props it would be doing it in that new process of like silicone molds or such or fiberglass molds and then making them out of resin and it would be almost like be able to make this prop to the more of like a commercial industrial piece where i could just be, be making them over and over again that would be like the next stepping stone for me to uh remake this prop in a new kind of way that i haven't done before so yeah there's always room Uh, for improvement and for me let's see i don't really have anything that can like since my first cosplay i've probably gained a hundred (laughs) pounds uh well maybe not that much but i've gained a bunch of weight and everything like that and In all honesty, I kind of just want to don't want to go back to that character because it's just it's fun, but I talk about it way too much. And the other ones are literally just Power Ranger stuff, which, in all honesty, I just want to keep doing different stuff with that. Like, eventually, I wouldn't mind having one of every. At least, only at least, even if I don't look the hundred percent in them, I will, I still want to be able to at least do every one of my favorite um, teams, at least once. Teams for me. Teams of what? Like a character for like Pokemon Power Rangers. Oh, one of every Power Ranger. So you want to go down? No, no, the, not of every Power Ranger, but each one, each of my favorite like series. Okay. That's what you, oh, the okay. different like, versions of the Power Ranger. Yeah, like, for example, growing up, like, of course, I had my Green Ranger growing up. That was my absolute favorite. Um, followed by White Ranger with JDF and everything like that. Um, but I was also quite a fan of Lightspeed Rescue when that was going on. Um, and I was a fan of Re- of the Red Ranger and that, as well as the Titanium Ranger. Um, and then kind of going in a little bit further into Jungle Fury, the purple fox ranger was another one that I had, that I really enjoyed. You've just got more rangers to do. Just yeah. More yeah. Rangers, man. Get, yeah. get some spandex, yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Start, learn to sew spandex. 
apparently. Um, but other than that, thanks. though, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, there's, there's a few things that I wouldn't mind trying, but who knows. For me, um, I already did Ayane again, and I think I will do her a third time at some point. Um, because it did end up being a time crunch, so then I didn't do it quite as well as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then in 2014 or 15, I believe, I did Talon from Soul Calibur 4. I did hand embroidery. It was my first time working with pleather. I only needed to make a vest, but I bought four yards of it. Um, I kind of tried to line it. It, it was, I, I, I did all this embroidery, and I would love to do it again and better. Um, but it's, you know, uh... I don't know, not to be body negative, but it is hard when you did it. Like what Cole said, it's hard when you did a cosplay when you were in your teenage years and your early 20s versus when you're in your late 20s, early 30s. Y your body's just different. But, you know, that would also probably be a good glow up moment for me is like, you know what? Just reclaim the fact that you can do that. You, you do, Your body, t don't wait for a certain body type to do a cosplay and, you know, despite the fact that my body would be different, I would actually make tonfas this time and, you know, have it, it more complete and the craftsmanship would be better. So I can totally relate with that, like in terms of like the glow up. Like ten years ago I was I was what? I was twenty three. I was fearless. Like I was just so confident with everything that I was doing and I was more risque and had skimpier cosplays and that's just something that's like kind of unheard of for me to do these days. So if I do anything that like really shows a little bit of skin, it's it's out of the norm for me. So it's interesting how that can go like both ways. Like they used to be a really big part of my life and it's just it's not anymore. Like that's not the direction I've gone in. But yeah, the whole body positivity thing. I never thought that that would be something that I would really have to approach and really consider for myself. I didn't realize I was at that point. <laughs> oh no! Well, also, when you're in your early twenties, you're so broke. You're just trying to save money on fabric. So, like, <laughs> skipping your cosplays. Like, I only need two yards. What? <laughs> um. So, you say there's been a lot of different, uh, a lot of different factors go into choosing a cosplay. For Geodude, it was something that you just like couldn't get it out of your brain. For yeah. Ash, it's something you just loved that character and you wanted to do her justice and you wanted to, you know, put those new skills you had to work. Mm -hmm. um, even though, sorry, the whole concept of doing a character justice is kind of a silly character. A silly concept. You do them justice by just doing that. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, but, this is the um, whole point of cosplay, yeah. It's just, yeah. I'm just, um, not, I'm just not done with her yet. Um, oh wow, that sounds threatening. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to say that. Um, uh, as well, we were talking about props. Uh, that Tyler actually made the pattern for my treaty blade, which I felt like oh, was yeah. the next big step for my Ash cosplay. Was to actually have a weapon, to not just have any weapon, but to have like something that was canon to the plot and something that was really important for that character's development. And that prop was ridiculous and. I haven't made anything that complex probably ever, but see, I would even make that again, just because there's things that, and it's just this cosplay. It's not every cosplay that I do. It's just this cosplay. I'm like, you know, I can do it better. Like, I'll just, I'll come back to it in five years and I can do it better, mm -hmm. but I'm sure I'll reach like an end game with that cosplay. There's nothing else that I would ever keep remaking constantly that it's just that one. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a skeleton in a closet and <laughs> I'm not done with it yet. It's an addiction. It's it a is. Your fix. <laughs> I got too many addictions. 
Um, so when you decide what you're going to make, besides making ash over and over, uh, what do you <laughs> consider when you're deciding what design you're going to compete with? What are those factors? And uh, how are those different than just deciding, I'm just going to do this design, I'm going to do this for fun or for this group or, you know? Definitely, yeah, because I do, I have found that in the last couple of years, I've been doing a blend of smaller projects that are just for fun and then larger scale pro uh, projects that I want to compete with. Um, I think it's a matter of how much uh, time I'm willing to invest in something. I think time is a, is a big factor when I'm choosing a competition piece. Um, I'm, when I'm looking for something that I want to compete with or how I know that this is, this is something I really want to compete with, this one project is, I'm looking for a high amount of detail, a lot of opportunity to express uh, a really keen attention to detail. I'm looking for using a lot of different processes in terms of cosplay construction. Like with Geodude this last time, I dyed like five yards of linen five different shades. I started with 20 shades and scaled down to five. Um, I worked with acrylic plastic to make an eye prosthetic, uh, the puppetry element. I did completely original patterning from head to toe. The only pattern that I didn't make was my leggings, which I found on the internet and is a great leggings pattern and I'm never letting yeah. it go. <laughs> it can make all the leggings I need now. But anyways, um, yeah, just uh, anything that really challenges you and demonstrates the flexibility of your skill, I think, are is a good piece for uh, for competing with. So if I if I come across something and I think, wow, like I, I really want to make this piece, but it also features a lot of the elements that I think would come through really well, um, craftsmanship wise, for a competition, then that that's something that I pick and move forward with. So I felt that Geodude had a lot of those elements that stood out. Um, so I thought that that was going to make it a good competition piece. I just didn't realize how competitive the original design category can be because I've never competed in one before. It wasn't level-based. It was just kind of you and everyone else and who knows what everyone else is going to bring. You can't expect it. Um, that was a really unique experience with KomoriCon, the original design category. That is a crazy category because fan art is considered an original design yeah. or I can just do whatever I'm best at and bring it. You know, if I just make Renaissance gear, I could bring it and say it's a, you know, you not to like, it's just, it's, there's a lot of variance in cosplay anyway, because you're comparing foam builds to sewing. That's a crazy comparison. It's mm -hmm. so different. Mm -hmm. um, throwing in original designs is crazy. Yeah, and it was really hard to tell, like, who was actually going to be an original design, um, just because some people had a lot of source material, and that bounced them into different categories, but, yeah, something happened at that competition. Something just transformed inside of me with that cosplay in that particular category, and, like, speaking of competitive goals, like, I really feel like this is something I need to do. Like, I need to win the original design category at Kumo with a cowslip design. Like, this is this is my new manifesto. Like, this is my new goal. Like, I think every Kumo, until I die, I'm going to make a cowslip original design for the original design category until I win. So I don't know what it was that I was just like, oh, I want this category. <laughs> so that's my new goal. <laughs> so it sounds like you're going to be in that category in Komori Khan for a long time. But I know that 
from mutual friends, some people have told you to go into master's division, yeah. but at SakuraCon, you compete in journey division. Yeah. Uh, what goes into the thought process when deciding what category to go into, both for yourself and if somebody was looking to self-assess and put themselves in a category? Uh, so in terms of where I put myself um, at a competitive level, I still put myself at journeyman because the awards that I have won have not all been craftsmanship based. I have a lot of performance awards, which usually when you're putting yourself in a level with competitive cosplay, um, it, they're based off of craftsmanship awards. And a lot of the awards that I do have are from smaller events. So I put myself at the journeyman division. I probably could be completing at masters, but I actually haven't won a journeyman division award. So there's nothing saying that I have to be competing at masters right now. So more this is something like, this is my goal. This is something that I want to prove to myself that if I can win a journeyman, then I definitely belong in masters. But I've been doing a couple competitions, larger competitions, uh, in the journeyman division and, and I haven't won yet. So obviously I, I've still got some room for growth and improvement and I'm, if I'm not winning at journeyman, I'm not ready for masters yet. Um, but I think that when selecting your division for competitive cosplay, uh, you need to take into account what kind of event you're competing at. Is it a smaller local event, like a one-day event, or is it a larger scale three-day event, like KomoriCon or SakuraCon? And take into account things that you've produced in the past and what kind of a skill set you have right now. Um, if you've won before, you probably shouldn't be a novice, but journeyman can be a very challenging category to compete in. So if you're going to be in journeyman, make sure that you have something that will make you stand out from everybody else and that all of the skills you're demonstrating are as polished as they can be. Because as someone that has judged cosplay contests a lot recently, we, we are looking that close. We, we do look at the tiny details, especially in journeyman. I've called journeyman a bloodbath before because everyone is so good and Everyone just wants to win, and yeah, journeyman can be a really hard category to compete in. So if you're going into journeyman, try and do your absolute best in every aspect and have something that will make you stand out so that the judges will remember you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that on journeyman, because if you win novice once, you're in journeyman. Right. So people <laughs> who have competed in journeyman only that one time, and then there's people who have competed in journeyman for you. You can get stuck in journeyman for a long time. That's me. It's, it's, yeah. It's hard not to find that. Dis do you find that discouraging to get stuck in journeyman or do you not see it as stuck? Um, no, I definitely see it as stuck. Like, um, I had originally wanted to compete with Geodude at KomoriCon in the journeyman category, but I didn't realize that because it was technically it's fan art that it was in the original design category. And that is what made me think, wow, I need to do something with Geodude that will make her stand out, and that's how the puppetry mechanism came in, but um, yeah, it's you know, I never actually even won a novice category. I've got performance awards, I've got like, first place in the advanced division, which I don't necessarily can you call advanced the same as a master's category, probably not based on the size of the convention, but I really, like, I have some best in shows, I have best performance at New York Comic Con, like, my awards are so random, like, they don't really make <laughs> sense and wouldn't 
necessarily put someone in masters but <clears throat> no i want to win a journeyman category i'm feeling really good about sakuracon this next year so i'm hoping that is what is the, the game changer for me yeah at versus comic-con i competed against you and that was so well earned you won first and you had such a beautiful design and everything it was your cowslip it's another cowslip it was another cowslip <laughs> pokemon design it was really good Oh god, yeah. Uh it's the uh it's Zatu and Geodude, both cowslip designs have earned me the title of the Madam of <laughs> Stupid Sleeves because both of those cosplays <laughs> have ridiculous arm mechanisms and I don't know what it is, but now I'm just I'm totally addicted to cowslip designs. I I will definitely be doing a few more in the future. I think they're like I don't think that they're underappreciated. I just don't think that they're done very often because I don't know what they're doing over there. But something about their designs, there's just there's the gradients and the colors, the really intricate patterns on the fabric. Like they make the cosplays extremely challenging to do. But I think to see them done and if you can do them really well, it just does so much more justice to the artist. Like, and I believe that with a lot of fan art lately, like all the sunset dragons and. Um, uh, oh gosh, there's so many out there now. So Hannah much fan. Alexander. Savannah is... Alexanders, yeah. yeah. There's so many and they're so beautiful. And I think when people like they get all the little details that the artist put in there, like every little gradient, every little rhinestone, I'm just like, oh gosh. That's just, that's love right there. Just like you both love the same thing so much and you just want to see it come to life. Like, I, I like that aspect of the original design. Like, I'm, I'm kind of hooked now. <laughs> it's nice too because if it's a design that's going to be used for some type of media besides mm -hmm. just art, they have to redraw it so many times or reanimate it or move it. It's hard to capture that same level of detail and keep production budgets in, in line. So with fan art and these beautiful intricate designs, they can really go for it mm -hmm. definitely look to do more of those i haven't found like my sunset dragon or my savannah alexander yet i feel like people have designs that like once they see them they're like oh <laughs> oh i'm gonna do this and that that i i love those designs like from all of the fandoms that have been done by both of those artists in particular but my design hasn't like shown up in my Instagram feed yet where I'm like, it's over. Like, this is what I'm doing and we're gonna <laughs> go nuts on it. And then something like that, that like the passion level is so high and the detail level is so high. I think that's a good indicator of, I'm gonna compete with this. Like, we're going to the nines. <laughs> we're going to a big show. Put your dress on, like, let's go. Like, let's do it. <laughs> um. But when you're competing, something a lot of people struggle with is that balance of perfectionism versus fun, because your details do need to be on. Mm -hmm. How Do you struggle with that balance at all, or is it just part of like, oh yeah, that looks so good, is the fun part, or? Uh, I, I'm, con I'm constantly second-guessing myself. Um, I just think that with some of my execution, I look at things from a slightly different perspective, and maybe those elements don't come across as clear to other people, but maybe that's just my niche. That's just my artistry. Um, I, I struggle, but that I, I struggle so that I can get to that moment when 
I know I'm seconds away from going out on stage from when I'm walking down the hallway, leaving a hotel room headed to the event. Like I know that that whole struggle is invested so that I can have those moments where I'm like, I'm revealing myself. I'm unveiling everything that I've worked on to my community, to my family, like the people that I celebrate these events with that I only get to see or maybe talk to once or twice a year. Like I know that the struggle is worth it to get to those moments where you're out on stage for 32 seconds and your song is playing and you're in the moment and you're making your character happen and you're trying not to cry because you can hear your mom shouting your name and your friends screaming at you saying how much they love you. And like the struggle is real, but it is worth it for those seconds when you're out on stage and you're trying to keep your shit together because you're just like, you're in the moment and it's beautiful and it's what you worked for. Like, Aww. Those those moments last forever. So yeah, the struggle is real, but damn, it's it's well worth it. <laughs> Aw, that's so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that was a that's kind of like a take by take of Kumo, like from start to finish. Let's make this cosplay too. I'm making this cosplay too. I'm wearing this cosplay. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm on stage. People say they love me. Oh, I'm crying. Your fans were loud. Your oh fans and friends God. were really loud. Uh, I could hear them backstage. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, because we, you, when you MC, you try to look for, like, a joke for the next thing because you don't have that all pre-written out. So you're trying to think, like, oh, what would be funny next? So you're not really paying as much attention as you would be if you were an audience member. Um so that made us stop for a second and be like, that was loud. <laughs> it's so. funny because I actually, like, I've, I've watched a clip of my walk-on. And I can't get through it without getting a little bit emotional because I can hear my mom <laughs> cheering for me, which is just ridiculous that at my age, in my time, my mother will come to conventions and sit in the audience and cheer for me. And it's like, God wow like I'm really lucky to have that in my life that my mom's like my kid makes cosplay it's like mom I'm 33 oh she's so good thanks mom like (laughs) thanks she's so proud um but also the uh guests you guys had on last weekend uh cosplay coven uh Lexi and Sam fessed up to being the ones that were totally screaming (laughs) in the audience for me and when I watched that recording of my (laughs) walk-on All I can hear is them (laughs) screaming and saying that they love me. And it's just the most moving thing ever to hear and receive so much love from people in the community, especially people that you just, you admire and you respect. Like the love is real. Like what's going on is, is good stuff right now. But yeah, it's, it's nice to watch the walk on, but I can't get through it without getting misty because the cosplay coven is just a bunch of sweet people. (laughs) They're really sweet. (laughs) Oh, Kumo is Kumo is different with this amazing group of cosplayers backing them up and just making like all the Kumo lore like come to life. So cosplay Coven's a good thing. They are. Um, Savannah from the Cosplay Coven, who was not on the podcast last week, um, she was actually somebody I did my first skit with back oh. in NewCon in like 2014. Oh my gosh. So, um, she went to Florida for a while, so we don't talk as much as we used to, but it's so cool to see her be successful and, you know, be part of a brand. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And Samazon is just, like, the sweetest. <sighs> She's Absolutely. so good. Like, yeah. she, she too, like, 
doesn't get full of herself. Like, she's she's awesome. She, like, volunteers at stuff. But anyway, I chose to do something else on there. <laughs> I was busy on their interview, so I don't get a gush about Sam today. No, I'll that's okay. i send her we, a really mushy could. PM. This will be the, the, the I Digress podcast will be like, let's talk about how awesome Sam's on cosplay is. <laughs> yes, Sam's, Sam's the a I, wonderful yeah. person. The I Digress. She just <laughs> never thinks she's too good to talk to you, and she remembers you, you know, even if you've met her once. She's really what's good about the cosplay community. Yeah, we all need more Samazons. And Lexi, too. Yes, Lexi um, helped me contour my breasts one time. <laughs> good girlfriend. <laughs> Lexi's, Lexi's makeup skills are insane like yeah. I want to sit this is so into music is Lexi and I want I want to just spend time with her because I'm just in awe every time I walk up to her and like just everything with her eye makeup and her contouring on her face like mm-hmm. she's just so pretty and it's painful it's like I want be my senpai teach me the makeup skills because I don't have them and you've got them (laughs) and I need you to teach me these things because gosh you're so pretty like yes so into music has amazing makeup skills and Mm -hmm. I am I am enamored of her she talked about when she was on the podcast how she is the basically the makeup person for their group because she wants everyone to look the same and consistent and everyone just like some of them are some of them in the group are like, we can't do makeup. We're not good at it. And then Lexi's like, I'll just, I'll just do it. I'll do everyone's. And then it's all the same and consistent. And because I guess she's kind of like very particular too, and likes it all being that. So she's both very good at makeup, and then everyone is like consistent. So when they were uh, walking around at Con, they did all have a very similar yeah. makeup aesthetic which kind of like made it seem more like they were all to I mean they were obviously all together because yeah they were yeah so yeah much, she's, she's the lead makeup <laughs> person and basically does all theirs together and that's why also she is very good at it so i want to be in the cosplay coven so that i can get my makeup done by lexi <laughs> she just needs a booth in the artist alley where she's oh, like oh. like my costume's oh my on do my makeup why don't they have those someone just has a booth and just makeup Oh God! Right? Yeah. Like I know how to sew, but this, like, help, help me, please. <laughs> that's that's me. That's so totally me. Like I've never been good at makeup, and I'm just I'm blown away. Like when I see someone that's got like really good like eye makeup skills, I'm like, how 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 did you do this? Because I take what would they what charge, would charge for that? Is my question. Yeah, <laughs> like how do you charge for something like that? Well, you're gonna go I wonder if you really go through that quickly. Like makeup can be expensive, but. I wonder if it lasts longer, because like I guess how many how many how many it's it's a what would be the hardest part would be taking the time to shade yeah. match people's skin tone. Mm. So you would have to that have would a be lot difficult. Different and, shades because this is me no, not knowing very much about makeup, but what I do know is that I know that some people, especially people, they tend to go towards the same stuff, like the same corner of a palette. Yeah. So usually they they're done with the palette when the, that little section is gone, but the whole rest of it is still there. That's me with like every palette that has black eyeshadow in it because I just <laughs> use all the black eyeshadow. Like there's no shading in my eyeshadow. It's I'm 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 ashamed to say I got I got the garage doors. Like it's one shade. You just blanket it across <laughs> your eyeshadow. <laughs> She just have Lexi on the show, and she's going to give us all video tutorials on how to do our own makeup. Yeah, we need her, like, <laughs> on the YouTube or something, because you can't, 
do through an auditory medium a makeup tutorial. I mean, if anybody could, well, she could. Well, isn't that thing? But... <laughs> reduce for all that. Um, Don't let them know yeah. we can transform um, because they'll think we're witches. <laughs> Don't take them. Well, what are, don't Switch don't back. let the boys know that we can shape shift. <laughs> oh yes, it, don't let. Or they okay. will tell the church. <laughs> um, so I think Make that cool. something that would be really expensive for that actually would be all the disposable things you need to do. You need the disposable mascaras because you can do eye mites. You need disposable lip things because yeah. you need to buy a lot of disposable products. Which brings Ooh. me into oh, something yeah. I wanted to bring up. Yeah, uh, you did something else on Comorian Con, which yeah, I what's I with was that? On a different day. Yeah, me and Ty, I was like, when people ask me what I wanted to do at KomoriCon, I'm like, well, I'm doing the cosplay contest, and I want to see this panel on eco-friendly cosplay. And, like a damn fool, I missed it, because I thought it was on Sunday, but I want to hear about that panel, and, you know, have have you hosted panels before? What was oh, the yes. meat of this panel, since I missed it? <laughs> yes, this this panel um, happened on the Friday evening of Kumo, literally right before my pre-judging, so I did it. <laughs> in my Geodude cosplay, but the panel was entitled Greener Cosplay, and it was myself and another cosplayer, Sumikins, uh, or Crystal, and we wanted to talk about some fledgling ideas of how to be more eco-friendly with your approach to cosplay, and how to reduce waste, or how to responsibly reuse your waste that was produced while making cosplay, because we realized that cosplay was extremely wasteful. Like, just the amount of fabric that gets put in a pile after you cut out whatever you're going to use is just, it's like, what do you do with that? Where does it go? How does it break down? Can you reuse it? And we went through pretty much every major material that people use when they're producing cosplay. We talked about fabric and foam and thermoplastics. We talked about wigs and we also talked about makeup uh, just in terms of uh, how to reuse or repurpose or responsibly dispose of whatever waste is generated by your cosplay, no matter what you're making it out of. We found that thermoplastics make the least amount of waste because you can constantly reuse them by heating them back up and forming them back together. So really, it's as zero waste as you could be working with Warbler, even though it's more expensive. We found that crafting with foam is probably mm. the most wasteful because... Uh, it does produce a lot of tiny microplastics and a lot of tiny foam pieces, but it also was one of the more easier ones to work with, like Warbla, because you didn't have to like consider the grain, which you do with fabric. Um, but yeah, we just we went through every major spectrum because we realized that no one was really talking about this, and we wanted to cover as many bases as we could. And then once we talked about all of those topics, we opened the panel up for discussion because we wanted to see if other people had considered this and what they were doing so that we can continue to gather ideas. And the more often that we can run this panel, the more ideas that we'll have to give back to the community. And it can be something that we make everybody more conscious of because climate change is real <laughs> and it's something that we all need to be aware of especially when we're producing cosplay and the more waste that we can reduce i think the better that it will be for the community and we're just going to be doing things to better future generations of hmm. cosplayers and speed well i was i was interesting <laughs> what take that would be because again yeah i never got to see it so i was wondering if it was going to be a lot of how to save waste and such or if it was like options of how to 
you reuse old cosplays too. So like, even though you make a cosplay and you can yeah. take bits and parts from it, so you're not basically going into new material and using up to make something brand new from scratch, you're going and getting old cosplays or you're getting, instead of making a shirt or something, you're finding something and altering it slightly. So it's mm -hmm. uh, a lot of less material or, or mere material already made into something that you're just altering and shaping. And so only thing I can think of is, is like paint. Those... Paint's probably a really bad one because. Yeah. Paints are really wasteful. Um, and the one, like with everything we tried to find like what yeah. the best option was, and that was something that we talked about with cosplays. It's like when you're done with them, like mm -hmm. when you're done with a cosplay, not necessarily waste that you've produced, but just a whole cosplay, what do you do with it? And we talked about how you can mm -hmm. like strip it down for parts, take it apart and reuse fabric for other projects. You can also sell the cosplay so that maybe it gets more than one life other than just one life with you. Um, and then what happens with individual pieces of cosplays when you do take them apart? Like, how can you properly dispose of them? Or what? Or where can they have their next life when they're broken down into just raw materials? Um, yeah, and we talked about reducing waste by working with pre-existing mm. garments, like what you had mentioned, like, go to Value Village, find something to start with. Which is funny, because I think when I was on this show three years ago, we talked about, like, how to yeah. get started with cosplay and we did yeah, we, we talked about value village <laughs> and working with pre-existing things and now it's funny we talk about that now as a way of reducing waste by just yeah. reusing things yeah. that already exist. it seems like one of the like the first things you think about when trying to like make a green cosplay which is like trying to get stuff that's already there so you don't you're not making something from scratch which seems like the most wasteful well the most uh Making something from scratch is the most, um, I, don't, I don't want to say wasteful is the right, not the right term, uh, the most material intensive. Least resourceful. Yeah. So yeah. the more you can make without basically getting brand new materials, the better. Also, um, another thing with like a lot of plastics too, and like thermoplastics, there's eco versions of those, but they tend to sometimes either be more money because i don't know if there's an eco recycled version of warbler or not but i know we have a lot of other plastics that are like uh the eco version of the plastic uh yeah Warbler's it's like sawdust, sawdust and kind of like a resin glue that yeah. eats up but uh other plastics you'll use you can uh i know at work where i work we work with plastics and we have we have we do have the uh um the main stuff of like the pure plastic that is it is 100 percent of what it is and then we oftentimes have this like eco version of it that is normally cheaper even too uh the problem with the uh, recycled stuff that it will have like specks of different colors of plastic in it because they ground it down and then just remelted it together so it's got it normally comes in a dark brown or black color with a bunch of specks of things in it and what happens with plastics is the more it's worked over and over again, it does reduce in strength and such. But with cosplays, plastics like that, even being like half as strong as they used to be, are normally way more than enough you need for a cosplay because cosplays don't have to be under a super amount of stress for it to hold together or work. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. That, that was another thing I was thinking about is like sometimes there are options that are like the eco version of a type of material is sometimes more money, which is weird. Well, for 3D printing, you can do a type of filament that has a wood, wood grain, yeah. in it, um, which... Yeah, Ooh. which I used for my Toru horns oh. for How to Train Your Dragon, oh. and they were the perfect color. So it was really That's... nice. I didn't even have to paint them. Which I guess would be another thing, is if you can find the material in the color you need, uh, like if you don't need, like, uh, Sintra. Well, yeah, white or black, white. it comes in. You don't need to paint uh, it. That could help. Or, like, Warbler's yeah, so black. You won't, don't, I don't even know. paint things Maybe you black. Don't need to even you paint the black get it in Warbler. that color. That cuts down on paint. Uh, there is a 3D printing thing mm-hmm. I forgot to mention. There is, like, a 3D printing... You can buy filament that has been recycled, so it's a more eco-friendly filament that's already been recycled if you're 3D printing stuff all the time. And also, a big thing with 3D printing is the spools are just solid chunks of plastic, and they have these ones where, uh, the place I get it from, what you do is you get this spool that locks in the center so it comes apart, so then it cuts down on that, you just buy one spool, and then they give you the rolled up and it's banded together and then you just like slide it onto the spool and click it in place and then it cuts down on your plastic spools and waste and such for that so it kind of it does cut down a lot on materials and plastic waste if you're 3d printing things so i don't know that's even more options there's more things yeah no i like these aspects because we we did definitely focus more on the greener aspect. Like, when you have leftover Mm -hmm. fabric scraps after you produce something, what do you do with them? But I do like this eco, this more ecological or eco-friendly perspective of instead of crafting from brand new, like, you should be working from things that already exist. We did bring up, like, if you wanted to try and get nicer, high-quality fabrics, if you go to someplace like Goodwill and you look through Mm. formal dresses you look through uh, wedding dresses, you can get a lot of really nice lace. You can get a lot of nice, like, actual silk satins. You just have to, like, be willing to, like, go look yeah. for them and to salvage them. Um, so we did kind of touch on that, but I feel like if we were to talk about it more, we should talk more about working with pre-existing garments as a way of reducing waste because if you're buying secondhand, like, we should talk more about, like, how to yeah. really use secondhand yeah. to your advantage. Like... And I think if we and, really talked more and thought about it, we could probably develop that. And this is coming from someone who doesn't um, do so, doesn't sew whatsoever. Probably can't even sew a straight line if I tried. Um, uh, the only thing I could think of for reusing fabric off the top of my head using is using it for, it for padding. Padding. That's a good idea. Um. Yeah, I guess there's some costumes and stuff that yeah. do use batting and such inside because... Uh, I know I have some that there's always just like things in it that are poofy, but yeah, if it if it poofs right, or just for or just for adding more shape or something like that. Yeah, well, I know people were doing the duct tape body forms to make your oh. own custom body form, mm-hmm. and somebody I had talked to had filled that with their scrap fabric. For me personally, um, I give my scrap fabric to the YMCA, so they have it for children's craft products. That's um, great. And they're happy with any type of fabric, any shape of fabric. Um, and then I've also, my roommate does a lot of crocheting. So I took some fabric scraps and I made 
fabric yarn, and she's been crocheting me a rug out of it. Oh. Um, which is really cool. And then I've also been making little trivets where you wrap it around cotton uh, rope, and then you can make like a little trivet, or you can make a rug that way, and it has that nice cotton padding in the middle. But that is kind of one of those things where you have to bring a new material into the equation to use your old material. So that's probably less sustainable than just making the cotton yarn or the uh, fabric yarn. It is, but I do like that idea that like if you had leftover uh, fabrics from a particular cosplay project and it was like a piece of fabric that if you looked at it and you looked at it next to a photo of you in that cosplay, people could see where that fabric was used. You could be making like cosplay project trivets like trivets that are themed around a cosplay that you once produced and oh, you could neat. be like selling those like right? with a print like <laughs> and you could be like like this helps reduce waste and the funds go towards future projects that I'm going to do like oh, I've been trying yeah. to figure out a way to like be lucrative with my waste right <laughs> well I've been at Anna Medford a lot of my dice bags utilized scrap fabric so oh, yeah, I have I made it yeah. um oh God damn, what, How many dice bags dice do you bags? have? You yeah. I have a whole thing of dice bags because I sell them, but... Oh, um, okay. For the ways I'm like, how many... Do you have, like, a secret... Uh, I thought for a second you had a secret dice hoard that you hadn't been telling anybody oh, about. Oh, no, no. I like to sell the dice bags at con. Um, okay. And then, so, yeah, if, if you have the time and patience, if you just put your pattern on your fabric and cut out as many of you can, mm-hmm. then all you have to do when you're feeling creative and making the dice bags, or any, any small thing works is you just match them, and then it's just really creative that way. Uh, and then, yeah, I do like the idea of doing it themed. That's a really good idea, mm-hmm. because one of my dice bags is the exact same fabric I used for my Is This a Zombie cosplay. Hmm. Not like that's a popular anime, but if I you could pair them, that's really smart. Yeah, like if you put, like, if you have prints and you put them next to things like that and be, like, themed and made with waste fabric from this cosplay right here. Like, see, it's just right here. But... Yeah, I've been trying to figure out a way to be more lucrative with my ways, but I don't get an opportunity to booth as often um, as someone like yourselves. I actually have never boothed, so... Um, not yet. No, not yet. Wink, wink. What's going to happen in 2020? Who knows? Not so off. subtle allusion to <laughs> a conversation we had earlier about you boothing at a con I booth at. Maybe going to Medford at some point in my future in 2020. Like, who knows? Like, these things, they could happen. I don't know. They I don't they know. They should happen. Vision. They should. Hey! 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 <laughs> Can you not? Hey. <laughs> Can you? <sighs> no, but jokes aside, 2020 is going to be a killer year. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good time. Do you want to give us some exclusive cause plans in oh 2020 what are we gonna do um or is so, it a secret no it's not a secret i don't think it should be a secret um like i can tell you what my cost plans would be in an absolutely ideal world where all of my funds line up as i had hoped and i can make it and uh, my projects are done in time for certain events. If I can give you the most ideal rundown that I have. If Ooh, that's okay. What you okay. We got 2020 vision. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to oh, imagine see, this. Oh, see, it's so good. You can visualize it because it's 2020 with 2020 vision. Yeah, I've so, that since I was 18. So, <laughs> so if we're going to talk about, like, on a competitive level, if we're talking 2020 vision, um, I'm competing with Bella Bean Cosplay which is Jamie, and we're doing our Soul, Soul Calibur 4 project, and we win Best in Show at the SakuraCon Cosplay Contest. 
Oh, I'm cheering so loud. <laughs> um, next up, um, finally, for probably after three years of preparation at Rose City Comic Con, I win first place in, or I place, even I'll take a place, in the Tinkerer category with my Fallout 4 cosplay, which Ooh. finally has all of my armor pieces and my Pip-Boy and all my weapons done. And everything's distressed and dirty and just um, gross and filthy. And it's perfect, but it's amazing at the same time. And then third, I win original design with my Lapras cowslip at KomoriCon. Like, that would be the hat trick, would to be all three of those things happen. If I had 2020 vision. <laughs> if I was so cool and could make all those things happen and actually competed and won, that would be that would be my 2020 vision. You should do this with all of your guests for the rest of the month. Yeah. Like, ask what their 2020 vision is going to be. We have, like, the rest two more guests. <laughs> no! Ask everyone. <laughs> the joke never gets old. <laughs> we're also competing at SakuraCon, so now we, we, we're, we're rivals. What? Oh, yeah, we're masters. Well, well, we still have best in show is one thing, isn't it? Yeah. They also, it depends, so the categories at SakuraCon, which KomoriCon does this now too, a lot of cons for performance are going away from best novice oh. journeyman and master, which I think is because the, how do you compare a drama skit yeah. to a comedy? You know, if they're both mm -hmm. master, one made you cry, one made you pee your pants laughing. <laughs> Those are valid emotions, and how do you valid. compare them? Uh, your soggy pants and soggy cheeks are valid. Uh, so a lot of cons are shifting more towards, uh, and there's so many dance skits too. You can have a perfectly executed choreography versus a script someone wrote, recorded, and all that. So they're doing best music. Most most cons are doing best musical, best drama, best comedy, best in show. Best in show needs yeah. both. So yeah, I think if Jamie and I were competing because of uh, the awards she and I collectively have won, um, we would be competing in the journeyman level for craftsmanship. And uh, we potentially could win best group for journeymen. Uh, we could also win best in show. Uh, I mean, I guess we have, we have, we have a couple of options, but uh, mm -hmm. the craftsmanship will be there and our skit will definitely feature Ooh. some crazy fight moves because, and I know you love Soul Calibur, so <laughs> hopefully we don't disappoint. We're both really excited about this project. It'll be the first time that we're getting to work together and the first time that we're going to be doing a skit. So um, this is this is a big leap for me, but I'm going to be doing uh, the Soul Calibur 4 version of uh, Sung Mina, which I've done the Soul Calibur 2 version, did it several years ago. So speaking about glow-ups, this is kind of a glow-up. I'm doing another Sung Mina, but I'm doing one with a more intricate design. Um, so yeah, uh, SakuraCon is going to be great this next year. 2020 SakuraCon. More, yeah. more big props too. All right, and I, th there is, is one thing that? I did want to talk about tonight. What? Oh. Um, just before con last year, soccer con last year, you went on a trip. Oh, that's why ah. you're jet lagged. That's why you almost fell asleep on a chessboard. Ah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I actually just did my 2019 in review, like of my whole year, and this last year, for the first time in my life, I got to go to Japan for two weeks. And where, where, where in particular did you go? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> literally everywhere um 
Uh, it, I went with my partner, Jeremy. We've been together for four and a half years, and it was mm -hmm. our Christmas present to ourselves was to finally go to Japan for two weeks. Um, we got the train passes, and while I think people, like, people always get rail passes when they go to Japan, I don't think people nearly use them to the extent that he and I did. We, <laughs> went, we flew into Tokyo, and we went all the way down to Yamaguchi, and we were moving hotels or hostel or Airbnb like maybe every two nights we were we were all over that country <laughs> and you were there from when um we were there from uh april 1st to april or it, we got into the country officially on april 2nd and we were there until april 16th by the time we came home it was still april 16th and then that following weekend was Kurikon. <laughs> Yeah, I remember because I remember seeing you come back. <laughs> your your, your uh, Facebook message is saying they're coming back, and I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> I I took three weeks off from work, which I've never done that before because by the time I got back, and because all of the extra travel time that comes with traveling to a foreign country, uh, there was not going to be enough time to even go back to work, and then I was going to have like a day, and then I was going to leave for SakuraCon. So I did that. I hope I never have to do that again because I would like to go to Japan again and be more relaxed and then not have to go to a con where I was competing at <laughs> and running a main event at the same time. Like that three weeks was insane. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Japan, 10 out of 10 will go again. Absolutely. Lifelong dream for sure. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, personally for me, when it comes to travel, I I don't like tra traveling to be a tourist. I never am. Like, you know, I don't like to go, okay, I'm going to go look around over here, I'm going to look over here, I'm going to look over here. Like, that's fun and all, but I like going for a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so, if, so if I was to ever personally go to Japan, I would go at one of six times of a year for 16 to 17 days. For oh, one yeah. reason. <laughs> and that's one of the Grand Sumo tournaments. That is something that we wanted to go to that unfortunately... You were a month late. Yes. That we, we did, those were one of the things that was like on the top list of things that we would love to experience while we're in Japan. Um, yeah, we chose... Because uh, Yaharu Bashu is in March, so which is the second tournament of the year. We did so. choose the cherry blossom season over yes. sumo Aww. season. But I was so scared that by the time we would get there, like, something would have happened. Like, there would have been a storm, or we timed it wrong, and there wouldn't be any. And even just coming in off of the plane, like, coming into the airport, they just lined the strip. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. It's happening. Japan is happening. Like, it's a real Aww. thing. And we spent, like, our first... A uh, full couple of days in Tokyo, and uh, we spent an entire day in a Weno Park, and the entire place was full, just full of cherry blossom trees. And we got to see like traditional ohanami happening all around us. People from every station, people with their extended families, people with their children, people taking breaks from school, meeting up with groups after they got off of work, spreading out blue tarps with cardboard boxes, just sitting, drinking smoking playing games in the park enjoying the festival food which oh my gosh i've never eaten so much deep fried food in my life 
during the entire time I was in Japan. I ate so much deep fry. <laughs> but just, I watch way too much uh, uh, the particular YouTuber known as uh, Strictly Dumpkin or Mikey, Ch- Mikey Chen. And he does a lot of food review stuff. And he's oh in Tokyo. He loves going to Japan and going to Tokyo and going to stuff and stuff like that. And so trust me, whenever I go to... It, 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 it's, there's two... Okay, two reasons to go to, to Japan for me. It's a food tour and a sumo tour. Like... <laughs> And believe me, like, the next time we go, like, the sumo will absolutely be a factor because that's something that's, like, there were certain things that we wanted to observe that were very traditional with Japanese culture that we wanted to experience. Um, and we we got, like, the full facet. We stayed in Tokyo. We were there for um, Hanami in the park. We went to the Ghibli Museum. And then we left the city, and we went to some, uh, we went to Himeji Castle, we went to the um, uh, Inuyama Traditional Lantern Festival where they carry giant floats through the street and they're pushed by men and they're filled with fiery lanterns and children singing and it's just, it sounds weird, but it's an amazing spectacle to behold. Um, and then we went and we went and stayed in an Airbnb in the country with two people in their early 30s in their sweet little Japanese home in the middle of a valley and we just we got away from the city and we enjoyed rural Japanese life for a couple of days and then we went to Kyoto and we messed it all up <laughs> like that, that's what I mean like we did everything but I think if we go back like we're probably just going to stay in one area for two weeks because like we've done the full scope of the country at this point and there were still places we didn't get to go but yeah that's why it's like 10 out of 10 we'll, we'll go again yeah, for personally for me, of course, like I would probably spend time, I would probably either go in, let's see, January, May, or September, just so that I would ha- just spend time in Tokyo, because mm-hmm. um, that's when the three, that's when the to- the tournaments are in Tokyo, mm-hmm. um, the other ones are on, one's in Osaka in March, and, and Nagoya is in July, and, Fu- and uh, Fuka in November, but the nicest uh, stadium is of course in uh, in Tokyo. So well and I just I can't believe how remarkable the public transit system is in Japan like the ability for us to just flash our passes and we we backpacked the entire time through the trip. We didn't have luggage. We didn't have suitcases. We had backpacks. We literally hauled everything around the entire time that we were going. But it's like when we were between our Airbnbs for check-ins um, the Train, the train stations are amazing. They have these huge lockers. We just put our packs inside, and all we had was like our passports and a day pack, and we'd walk around for five or six hours, then go get our bags, and then go check into the next spot. But yeah, very after the 2020 Olympics, Japan will be even easier to travel around because they're continuing to update their rail system and to make all of their signs easier for people that speak languages other than Japanese to read. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be even better after the Olympics, but yeah. I would say wait until after um, the Olympics to go to Japan. <laughs> yeah, my fascination with sumo is actually about about six months old right now. Um, I didn't, I, I knew about it, it wasn't, I didn't really know any of the tradition, traditional stuff in it, and I ran across um, thanks to Facebook actually, I, fa- I ran across the, uh, the NHK network which is a, a sumo the sumo network uh, specifically for in, in English, specifically broadcasting highlights in English um, from Japan, uh, specifically going over like over the, the the weekly tournaments, and then going from that finding information and everything along those lines. So it's actually f- absolutely fascinating, and I've 
I adore the sport now. It, it's now personally my favorite sport. Yeah. So it's fascinating just how that life is, and it's really cool. I super so, hope you get to go see it live in Japan. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because if I wanted to, sp- if I could get tickets for all fifteen days, because tur- a, a, a grand tournament is fifteen days long, and starts at eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> and goes until like five o'clock at night. Um, but you, c- if you buy a ticket, you can go at any time during the day. You don't have to go at a specific time. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so if we did, it's, I would just see what, because the, the cheapest tickets I think are 20 bucks a seat. And then the, like the floor seats are about a hundred, 120. So Caitlin, I have a hot strategy for achieving your 2020 vision with oh all those God. victories. Okay. <laughs> so I know you're, okay, we're going to that I know you're small of frame. You're, you're I am petite. A, you are a petite lady. But I believe in you. I think oh. you should just sumo wrestle all those other competitors <laughs> into submission, and that'll be your your cosplay strategy. Are you on board? Oh jeez. Yes. To fight yes, everyone. That means I have to fight you guys. Like we already know no, that co- Cole can carry me. Like the fight is over. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. you. Co- Don't believe in yourself. Believe in the me that believes in you. Oh. I'm gonna say this is this is my favorite fact that I found out about sumo, and this is about an. A- w- done with an average sumo wrestler the like middle size that they have I think it was 179 kilograms um, that they put in a, they put an impact meter between two rikshi which is the name of the, uh, the traditional name of the wrestlers at the point of impact of the initial charge 13 G's <laughs> which is 2 tons I don't have the G's I cannot produce <laughs> these G's it's not going to happen yeah I, yeah, <laughs> I know but, she's too but busy just the, being a G I <laughs> but no, but the the, the the funny thing that I discovered out of that is that I would rather get hit by a car than by a sumo wrestler. Uh, <laughs> well, Caitlin, straight up G cosplay extraordinaire, straight up Geo dude. Thank Geo you so much. <laughs> you've been you've been holding that in. You've been waiting to say that. Oh, you know, girl, I got puns for days. Thank you oh so much. God. This has been an awesome podcast. It's really been wonderful to hear your special backstage look at what it was like competing at KomoriCon, and we just love you. We love your positive energy, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about cosplay. Uh, you guys are doing a really great thing, and I hope to be back on the show maybe in another three years. <laughs> yeah. That'll be like uh, you have your cosplay glow-ups, and then you have your podcast glow-ups, so we look forward to it. <laughs> this is a by far better glow-up than the last one, and again, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you guys, listeners. Um, You can listen to us on Insert Robert's Voice saying all of the names of the various sites because it'll be funny because it's not my voice, which is high and squeaky. And you can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Have a good night. Thank you, guys.